We're going to jump into the Word today. Um, if you want to open up your Bibles, um, let's turn to John chapter 1. I'm just going to read one verse, and so I'm, I'm going to read it. Let's read it together, maybe two times. Okay, John 1, verse 14. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Okay, John 1, 14. Uh, let's read it together. Ready, begin. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, I was uh, reading through my sermon this morning, and, I, and then I, I realized, man, this is going to be a short one, guys. I cut, I cut a bunch of stuff, uh, and so it came really short. I said, don't go to the bathroom. I know I normally preach short, so Pastor, was, Pastor Paul was like, it's going to be five minutes. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, so don't go to the bathroom. Um, but good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Uh, I didn't get to do this. I'm going to do it. Please tell the person to say, welcome to church. Tell someone else to say, it's good to see you. All right. Just need a bit of energy on Sunday morning, yeah? Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Peter, and I have been given the, the joy and privilege of uh, preaching to you guys today. Can you guys believe it's Christmas next week? It's crazy. It's Christmas next week. Um, there are trees going up. There, there's a house across from my apartment that had their lights on from like two months ago. It's super annoying because trying to sleep the baby and there's just these blue and red lights coming through the window. Um, it's crazy. But it's Christmas next week. And for the last few weeks, we've been going through um, a, an Advent series. So in, in an Advent, if you don't really know what Advent is, um, it's like the kind of waiting period or the build-up period towards Christmas. That's Advent. Uh, usually there are a lot more rituals and a lot more uh, like uh, customs and things like that, like, like lighting candles and stuff like that. Um, but at Kingsway, we've just kind of doing, been doing our own version of Advent, um, just talking about some of the topics that might help us prepare our hearts for Christmas. We've been hearing a few things, and I do encourage you to go back if you haven't heard the Pastor Paul preached the first week about how we have a God that works for us in our silence and in our suffering. We talked about how there is a great promise that God gives to us in Jesus that we receive on Christmas. And last week, we talked about how, how much God loves us, you know, how, how, how much He loves us. And, and today, as we close this kind of series, I want to look at this idea that we have a God who dwells with us. He is near to us. He is close to us. If there is anything that is exciting about Christmas, it is that God came on this day to dwell with us to be with us. And as we look at all that that means, uh, my hope is that we might become just a little bit more excited uh, to celebrate Christmas together as a church on a Sunday, which is pretty cool, this year, uh, and for the right reasons as well, as we talk about these things. So we're going to pray, and then we'll jump into this, this idea together. Let me pray for us. Please join me. Father, we thank you that in so many ways, uh, through your word, you reveal to us how much you love us, how committed you are to us. And Lord, if there is any form of commitment that you have revealed, it is that you actually came to dwell among us, and that even today you dwell within us. Lord, as we observe what you have done through your son Jesus because of your great love, I pray that you would help us as a church to gain a fresh appreciation of what it means that Jesus came on Christmas Day. And pushing aside all the festivities, I pray that we would first worship you for all that you have done 
and all that you have promised. Speak through me today and speak life to us all through your word, by your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I personally love Christmas songs. Um, You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? Uh, Christmas songs, I think, have a a real good... That song's a little creepy as well. He he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, right? Uh, But Christmas songs, I think, have a real good way of uh, getting us excited for something that's coming. All right, from like a month before Christmas, there's this sense of anticipation and excitement in the air about something that is coming. Now, what is coming? Well, the songs tell us. Snow, not in Australia, but snow, traditionally in Christmas. Santa, presents, uh, family, love, romance. Like these are the things that we hear in the songs, the Christmas songs, as they anticipate the, the merry holiday that is Christmas. And it's exciting. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't know if you can tell. I love like Christmas. Um, I love it. It's so exciting. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I love a good Christmas movie. I love uh, Christmas songs. My favorite movie is Elf, one of them. So if, you, you know, if you haven't seen it, check out Elf. I love that they're playing Christmas songs in the, in the shopping centers. Some people hate it, but I love it. And although there is nothing wrong with being excited about these things and enjoying these things during these Christmas holidays, as Christians, we know that there is something much, much greater that we are able to celebrate on Christmas Day, right? There is something much, much greater that we get to celebrate on Christmas Day. And we have our own songs for that, powerful songs, one of my favorite. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Beautiful. I was going to originally sing the whole verse, but then I thought you guys get very uncomfortable, so I decided to read it. Amen. God and sinners reconciled. Friends, just as excited as the children are, as they look forward to Santa Claus coming to town, and perhaps as excited as you are thinking about the Christmas holidays coming up, church, I wonder, are you excited this year? to think and to know that Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, came to our world on this Christmas day. My hope for you and I this Christmas is that we would remember that this is the day that God decided to dwell with us. And I hope and pray that our response to that this year would be excitement, uh, gratitude, and, and worship together as a church to Him. And this is what today's text shows us. Even though it doesn't look like a Christmas text, this is what, it's actually a real Christmassy text. Because John is explaining to us why Christmas is so exciting for Christians. And it's simple. It's that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so using those three things today as my, as my three points, I want to highlight again the beauty of Christmas as it was meant to be celebrated by Christians so that we can have our hearts ready to celebrate truly and properly next week when we hit Christmas Day. And then we'll worship God together. So let's look at those three things. Uh, the first one, next slide please. The Word, John writes in verse 14, and the Word. Stop there. Told you it's going to be short, right? <laughs> Who or what is the Word? Who or what is the Word? Before we even look at, you know, became flesh and dwelt among us, we need to understand and appreciate who or what the Word is. I remember when we were doing, uh, during COVID lockdown, we were doing cooking uh, online. 
And uh, Song Su led one of our recipes, and he was doing like a real simple pasta, he said. Simple pasta. Three ingredients, you know, mushrooms, garlic, and something. And I was like, oh, that's simple. I didn't appreciate how uh, intense this pasta was going to be until I went to the shops, and I found that the mushrooms that you got to buy is like 20 bucks, right? It's not a simple pasta, right? You can't eat it every time. It's kind of similar. When we appreciate what this first part is, the next part becomes that much more powerful. And John gives us the answer to who or what that word is. In John chapter 1, verse 1, next, verse, next slide, please. He writes, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here we are given three descriptions of the Word. John says that the Word was at the beginning of time. In other words, he is the uncreated one. John says that the Word was also with God. And if you, you know, read other parts of the Bible, you know that to be in God's presence, you need to be holy and perfect. And so we know that this Word is holy. And then if you haven't figured it out already, John then gives it away. He says the Word was God. He not only was with God, but He was God. So who or what is the Word? The Word is God. The Word is God the infinite, the eternal, invisible God. But also, and here is where we get our Trinitarian understanding of the gospel message, John explains in verse 14, I think next slide, that the Word is in fact the Son of God. He says, and that's why he writes, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So who or what is the Word? We know that the Word is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, why did John use the word, the word? Um, well, the word, the word here, is translated in Greek as is logos. And, and all the Jewish and Gentile audiences of Jesus' time would have understood the weight of this word, logos. Uh, it was, the Word was God's instrument of, of His will. He created the world with His words, and multiple times throughout the Old Testament, you hear the word of the Lord came to Moses. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. The word of the Lord came when he was revealing himself, revealing his will, revealing his wisdom, revealing his plans. Logos was God revealing himself. And so by pointing to Jesus and saying, the son of God and saying, that's the Logos, he's saying, Jesus is God revealed. He is God revealed. The word was also understood as the agent of God's will, like I said before. And so by using the word, the word, and pointing to Jesus, the Son of God, John is also foreshadowing as he opens up this book that Jesus, the Son of God, came in this world to do something, which is to fulfill the Father's will. So here's my definition. Jesus was God revealed, and Jesus was God's will fulfilled. And that's the word. Two words. Really powerful. And that is who John is talking about when he says in verse 14, and the Word. And it is only when we appreciate that the Word here is the uncreated, perfect, holy, uncontainable, indescribable God that we even begin to appreciate and understand the magnitude of what Christmas is all about. I, I believe if Christmas doesn't really excite you as a Christian, it's probably because you've missed this part. You don't understand who it is we're talking about. Daniel used a, a cool illustration a few weeks ago about how Christmas is often about the gift under the tree that we're waiting for. And, 
you receive it on Christmas Day, and for Christians, it's much the same. There is a, a gift or a promise that we're waiting for to receive, and we receive it on Christmas Day when Jesus comes. And yes, we have received Jesus on Christmas Day, but the question is, do we appreciate what is underneath the gift wrapper, so to speak? Do we even understand what's in the gift wrapper? Because that will dictate uh, how excited you are about Christmas this year. And John tells us it was the Word. It was Jesus. It was God that was given to us. And I pray that if nothing else happens in my heart this Christmas, that I would remember as we hear about the birth of Christ, the, the baby in the manger, uh, Bethlehem and the wise men, that, that I would remember in my heart that, that we are talking about God. And I, I pray this for you as well at church, that as we sing songs next week, Christmas songs about a baby being born, that we remember that we're talking about God. And then John says, next slide, and the word became flesh. Became flesh. Guys, I hope we understand how incredibly mind-blowing this statement is. I think because we hear it so often, it's just kind of, we become numb to it. You know, it's just like, yeah, I know that. It, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. I remember when I first started um, high school ministry, so I was talking to like year seven, eight, nine kids. I was trying to like find a way to illustrate how ridiculous this is. And I came up with a really ridiculous illustration, which is I said, I, I remember this because it's really cringe. I said, you know, it's like I made a pancake and I love my pancake. And then my brother comes in the room and he wants to eat my pancake. And so I become a pancake to be eaten by my brother so my pancake can survive. Like that, and then like, it's kind of cringe. Oh, bad. But like, I think for me, I was trying to illustrate how ridiculous it is, this statement. It is that ridiculous. Firstly, because we know who the word is. It is God. But also because if you read through the Bible, you see what the flesh or what humanity embodies it is weakness and imperfection. The Bible says God is omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful, and all-knowing. The Bible says the man is weak. We fall short. And none of us, not one, are righteous. He is unlimited in power, and we are limited in every way. And you're probably feeling that more and more every single day as you get older. If we understand how high up God is, and yet, and how low down we are in comparison, then this should be absolutely unbelievable. Not just like, a, yeah, I know that, yeah. but like, whoa, that's crazy. There is no greater gap that compares to this. There is a passage that came to my mind when I was preparing this, and it's in Job. Next slide, please. And, and for me, this passage kind of illustrates how far from God we are, at least for me, as I read this. It's in Job 38. It's when Job, you know, begins to question some of God's, you know, plans and, and, and choices. And this is how God responds. He, he, like, smashes Job. I love this one. Job chapter 30. I kind of picked out some verses throughout the whole chapter. This is really long. God says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? 
Or who laid its cornerstone? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? And he just goes on and on and on through chapter 38 into chapter 39. It's really funny. He's just like smashing Job. And then this is how Job responds. Next slide, please. In chapter 40, behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. In other words, oh, my bad. God, you are God. I'm not. I'll shut up. And friends, that is God. Uh, He is great. He is the maker of the earth. He is the all-knowing, sovereign king of the world. And I think we, we forget this all too often. I think about the last time you pointed a finger at God and, and blamed him for something. Think about the last time you felt like you knew better than God, that you had a better plan than him. Think about the last time you put yourself or anything else in your life before the glory of God. How dare we? How dare we? If we understood who it is we speak about. I remember watching the, the Queen's funeral and just marveling at how proper and cordial everything was. Uh, everyone was like laser focused. Everything was like perfectly in line. Uh, everyone, like, like everything was about the Queen and, and no one wanted to get anything wrong because they understood the magnitude. I, I felt like that was the weather. It was the magnitude of the person that they're celebrating and remembering. And friends, does, does not God stand higher than this? So then how dare we treat him like anything else but the king of kings? But regardless of how we treat him, the Bible tells us today that this God, he became flesh. Now, I think the better way to say it is that he put on flesh because God is perfect, didn't need to become or evolve into anything else. He puts on humanity. I, I read this, I love the way this is put. He condescended himself. He became one of us. Next slide, please. John MacArthur said this, and I love the way he put it. The word became flesh. God became man. The infinite became finite. The eternal one entered time. The invisible became visible. And I, and I don't need a Bible passage to show you and show me how weak and incapable humanity is, how humans are because I just had a baby. And to think that God became like that? He pooped and he peed and he had to be burped and slept? I was talking to a friend who had a, who had a baby recently as well, and he said this. He said, man, I wonder if when God became a man, he was this useless as well. And the fact is, yes, he was. And that's the point. God, who was as high as could be, decided to come so, so low. And this is crazy. This is what we celebrate. 
And why did he do this? Well, the Bible tells us he did this because he, he loves you and I. Next slide, please. And because we could not pay for our own sins, he chose to pay for them. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. But at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 6. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, 1 John 4, 9 to 10. But to achieve this, Jesus had to die, and God cannot die. And so, the word became flesh. Brothers and sisters, this is the incredible truth uh, we celebrate on Christmas. In case you forgot, I hope that you can remember, that we can remember who it is we speak about when we talk about Jesus. Not just Christmas, but really every single day, every single week, but particularly on Christmas Day. And I hope we can remember what it means when we say that he was born. It's crazy stuff. It's crazy, exciting stuff. And finally, John reveals that not only did Jesus, the Son of God, put on the flesh, he also lived or dwelt among us. Next slide, please. And man, I think this just shows the, the character of God. Uh, and, or rather, it really shows, I think, the extent to which God loves us. Because uh, this wasn't just like a transactional, oh, you need payment, okay, I'll, I'll die for you, here you go. No, no, dwelt here in the original text means pitch a tent, pitching a tent. And so, and that's the same word used in Revelation by John when he talks about us pitching a tent in heaven. And so what this means when John writes that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, is it means that God, he made his home here. In other words, he didn't get a hotel, he bought a house, so to speak. That's how committed he was to being with us. Why? So that ultimately, through him, we could be with God, right? That was the mission. He wanted full access, full humanity to us because we, our sins, could not make our way to him. He made his way completely, completely to us. And I love that idea like of, like, he's not just standing up there and kind of like dropping something to, you know, eat this kind of thing. And he comes down to us completely so that we could fully and completely receive grace and truth through him. Next slide, please. Which is why John says uh, at the end of today's text, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Glory that we could not and should not have received and seen, as it is written, none is righteous, not even one, Romans 3. Christ, who put on flesh and dwelt among us, made a way because he is the way. So he came fully to us. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And now in Christ... Uh, and because of Christ, uh, we get to behold the glory of God. And friends, that is the, the beauty of Christmas. Uh, this is the, that is the powerful reality of what it means that Christ Jesus came into our world. Do not underestimate these six, seven, eight, nine words that we read today. If you're sitting there thinking, are we going to read more of the Bible? Any more passages we're going to go through? Listen to these words. The word became flesh, and dwelt among us. There are not many more powerful words than this. 
God of heaven chose to dwell with us because of his great love for us. And today we know that the spirit of God still dwells within us. He is with us if we have placed our faith in Jesus. And because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross for our sins, one day we will dwell with him forever as we pitch our tent in God's kingdom in heaven. That's all triggered by Jesus coming next week, choosing to be with us and dwell with us. And for that, we thank the Lord for sending his son to us on Christmas Day. That is why it is exciting. When was the last time you, you know, someone came into your presence that you were like, oh, kind of like you marveled at, you know, being in their presence? Maybe like a celebrity or someone, you know, high up in your company perhaps or like a politician or something. And I remember for me, the kind of, I don't know why this example came to my mind, but I remember I met um, Jay Park. <laughs> remember I used to work at um, Not Good Old Noggy? <laughs> we had like a little event and Jay Park came. It was crazy. It was like, whoa, Jay Park, he's here. It was crazy. People went nuts. There were so many people. Line went out the door all the way through to like the streets. We had to close the streets. Police came. It was out of control. I think there were some people like crying and stuff. It was crazy. It was like, crazy. I know some of you guys were here, uh, there, I think. Um, and it was kind of crazy, but I'll be honest, it was underwhelming. He's like a real little dude. <laughs> it's like, it's really, it was really underwhelming. It really was. I remember thinking, oh, wow, like, oh, it was really underwhelming. This is not like that. That's my point. <laughs> I don't know why I sort of tell that story. <laughs> this is not like that, right? Because what we're celebrating next week, uh, and the guy who came for us next week, is nothing like that. Yes, there is anticipation around him, but it is not underwhelming by any means. And he won't disappoint us. He is the son of God who came to save us from our sins and promises us an eternity in his kingdom because of his blood. Friends, whilst the world waits for Santa... And anticipates the gifts he brings, the joy and the holidays these seasons bring. I hope that we as a church can remember that this Christmas, we don't have to wait. Because God has already come. We don't have to. What was the song? Better watch out, better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. We don't have to be like that. Because Christ has already come and died for us. The gifts that he's brought to us is of greater worth and value than anything that we could possibly wish for in this world. And nothing can ruin what he's done for us and promised to us because he came to us, because he loved us. And I hope and pray that we would celebrate him truly and for the right reasons this Christmas. As we remember as a church that this was the day that Jesus was born, that God decided to come and be with us and save us. Amen? Hopefully we'll rightly celebrate God next week on Christmas Day. Why don't we pray together as we close off this time? I want to invite us to pray for a few things. And, and the first thing that I want to invite us to pray for is maybe a prayer of repentance before God. If you know you have not seen God as God, approached God as God, uh, responded to and treated God as God, You've seen him maybe as, I don't know, like this guy, this butler who's here to serve you in your life and make your life better. Uh, or this genie that's meant to give you these wishes and, and help you in the troubles that you have. 
Lord of me repent. I repented this week as I was, you know, reading through this and, and I'm trying to understand what it means, you know, who God is. How dare I look at God like that? How dare I withhold the worship that He deserves, the glory that He deserves? Maybe you feel that way as well. I'm not sure. If you know you have not seen God and, and approached God rightly, why don't we repent before Him? Knowing that there is grace in Him today, He does not hold that against you. He is open arms, waiting and ready to receive you and accept you again. And so, Lord, I repent. Why don't you help me to see you for who you are? I fill my heart with wonder and amazement as I consider uh, who you are, that you are God, and that you are with me. Can we pray a prayer of repentance and ask God to remind our souls of who he is in this time? Just one more prayer.